Hello, everybody. What another, I feel like I say this every time, but wonderful morning we're having today. Just since it's on my mind, uh, today or yesterday, I learned that in North Carolina, the word shagging or shag actually refers to a dance rather than the explicit act. So when my favorite YouTuber's 75-year-old father says his email is, quote, rather be shaggin at hotmail.com, it makes much more sense now knowing he's from North Carolina. Anyways, that's my fun fact for the day. Ooh, also, yesterday I was able to pop into this adorable little preservative shop. I thought it was just like jams and whatnot. Kitty corner from the dispensary. Let me just say, expectations blown. I I figured there'd be a few jams or jellies, maybe some other pickled things and whatnot. But this store was lined from top to bottom with everything you could ever preserve. For example, French onion soup jam, a jalapeno honey spread, uh, 13 different chocolate, raspberry, strawberry, blueberry spreads, and then the most delicious classic strawberry rhubarb jelly or jam or whatever. But the best part was you can sample every single one. You just took a little spoon and this little cardboard throwaway plate, go all the way around. I spent a good 45 minutes when I meant to just pop in for five. Totally worth it. I bought a few jars for my parents when they come to visit. Okie dokie. Enough chitty chatty. My name is Eli and this is Murder in the Morning. Per usual, I had been sucked down the rabbit hole while searching for a story this week. There's just too many drop downs that keep dropping down, you know? Eventually, and this is just a little fun fact before we start, I happened upon this article, um, and it was called, What Was the Deadliest Day in Human History? I thought, hmm, well, I'm honestly not quite sure. What is the deadliest day in history? So here we go. Let me read you a little bit of that. Quote, fuck, I hate how I say quote. Quote, while it's hard to say with certainty, by many accounts, the deadliest day in human history was actually the result of a natural disaster. On the morning of uh, January 23rd, 1556, a massive earthquake rocked China's Shanxi province, at the time considered the cradle of Chinese civilization. The quake only lasted a few seconds, but is estimated to have directly killed 100,000 people, with the ensuing cascade of landslides, sinkholes, fires, migration, and famine, killing an estimated total of 830,000 people. Of course, that's nowhere near as high as the total death tolls of major events like World War I or II, or even pandemics and floods. But when considering a single day of devastation, this earthquake is widely considered the most fatal we know of. It's also listed as, as the deadliest earthquake recorded in history, of course. And then there's a translated quote from years ago that kind of describes the mountains and rivers changing places. It says, in some places, the ground suddenly rose up and formed new hills, or it sank abruptly and became new valleys. In other areas, a stream burst out into it in an instant, or the ground broke and new gullies appeared. Huts, houses, temples, and city walls collapsed all of a sudden, 
end quote. Woo! That's something you would see in the movie 2012 or any movie where the world is ending. Horrifying, but I imagine it was very spectacular. Okay, I don't blame you if you fast-forwarded through all of that. Time for what you came for. Today, I bring you serial killer Tommy Lynn Sells. Right up front, this story is sad, frustrating, disturbing, all the other bad things. But there are a couple happy moments of survival and justice that I want to highlight as best as I can. I couldn't initially decide where to begin this story. There's so many twists or just like kind of runoffs here and there. So let's just start at the beginning. Tommy Sells was born in June of 1964 in Oakland, California. Not surprisingly, his childhood was beyond difficult. His twin sister died as a baby, his father died when he was 11, and his mother didn't seem very attentive. By the time he was only 7 years old, Sells was regularly stealing and drinking alcohol. And then, quote, Within a year, he was socializing with an adult man named Willis Clark, who Sells alleged began molesting him. Sells also claimed his mother encouraged this relationship, which traumatized and further impacted him greatly. End quote. His mom encouraged it. That's so messed up. And by 10, his life had only worsened. Now regularly using narcotics, this behavior only got weirder. Tommy was caught sneaking into his grandmother's bed completely nude while she was asleep. Among many other oddities, this happened to be the last straw, and his family up and left unannounced, abandoning this 10-year-old. It was reported that a few days after his family left, he got angry and proceeded to assault and shoot a woman on the street. Thankfully, she did survive. It's hard to say precisely what he does now, where he goes, or what crimes he's committed, because at the age of 14, from 10 to 14, he's fully become a nomad on the move. The next interaction we find of this sour human being is 1981 at the age of 16 or 17, and it is not a good one. Quote, when Sells visited family in Little Rock, Arkansas in May of 1981, his mother threw him out after he tried to molest her in the shower. Thereafter, he failed to receive mental health assistance, his drinking worsened, and ultimately led to his first arrest in 1982 for public intoxication. End quote. I mean, my gosh, first your grandma, and now your own mother? Please calm down, sir. Before we go any further, I have to explain something important. Many, or most, I should say, of this guy's crimes are all alleged, and he's only ever officially convicted of one murder, but is suspected of nearly 22 or more. I will cover a few of, uh, of the more plausible crimes that he's alleged to do, in addition to the factual ones. First, three years after the attempt to touch his mommy, Quote, in July of 1985 in Missouri, oh, excuse me, sorry, quote, in July 1985, 21-year-old Sells worked at Forsyth Carnival, where he met 28-year-old Ina Court and her four-year-old son, Rory. Court invited Sells to her home that evening. According to Sells, he had sex with her, fell asleep, and awoke to find her stealing from his backpack. He proceeded to beat her to death with, his son's, with her son's own baseball bat. 
He then murdered her son because the child was a potential witness. The bludgeon bodies were found three days later, by which time Sells had left town. On October 15th of 1987, in Nevada, Stephanie Stroh, 21, was last seen at the four-way cafe and truck stop in Wells, Wells, Nevada. Sells confessed to her murder. He said he picked her up while she was hitchhiking after he offered her a ride to Reno. They took LSD together, then he strangled her, covered her body in concrete, dumped it in a hot spring, and her body was never found. End quote. So although this son of this son of gun, I wrote that wrong. Although this son of a gun confessed to the above crimes, there wasn't enough evidence to corroborate his stories, and they went kind of just into the ether. And then five years later, he runs into trouble again after stealing a truck in Wyoming this time. See, he's just all over the place. And he happened to receive a 16-month sentence. This was just like for assault or stealing or something. But here, while serving time, he was diagnosed with, quote, a personality disorder consisting of, ready, antisocial, borderline, schizoid features, substance abuse disorder, bipolar disorder, major depressive disorder, and psychosis, end quote. Pretty much running the gambit. Our next occurrence after he gets out of jail comes two years later. And this is, I mean, still a sad occurrence, but it's one of the happy moments in our sad, sad story. Our first survivor, if you will. Fabian Witherspoon was only 19 years old when she encountered serial killer Tommy Lincells. And this comes straight from uh, the ABC News article. Quote, Witherspoon said she was walking to her friend's apartment on May 13, 1992, in Charleston, West Virginia, when she noticed a younger man under the bridge with a sign asking for food and showing her a photo of his wife and children. She said she felt sympathy toward him and decided to give him food and clothes from her friend's apartment. She asked him to wait outside while she gathered food items from the pantry, and that man was Tommy Lincells. Witherspoon said, and I guess while I was doing that, he had come in the house and gotten a knife. Witherspoon said Sells had gotten the knife from the kitchen, locked the door, and came up behind her. They were alone in the apartment, and she said he told her what to do, and he wouldn't hurt her. At first, Witherspoon complied. She said he led her to the bathroom, knife still in his hand. Witherspoon said he had pushed me up against where the toilet was, and I saw on the back of the toilet was a ceramic duck. So I grabbed the duck, and I'm thinking in my head, in the movies, if you get hit over the head with something, they pass out. They lose consciousness. So I picked the duck up, and I started repeatedly hitting him over the head with the duck, and he was still standing. In this struggle, Witherspoon managed to get the knife away from Sells and started to stab him repeatedly. An injured Tommy grabbed a piano stool and hit Witherspoon with a massive force on her head. And then, she said, I felt something come crashing down over my head. And that's the last thing I remember until I came to when the police and ambulance were out front. End quote. Sells tried to get away, but his injuries landed him in the ICU and in police custody. Witherspoon sustained significant injuries, including a gap in her head and a cut in her hand. But besides that, she was okay. Can you even imagine experiencing something like that? I feel like 
I might have just blacked out right away and whatever happens, happens. I honestly don't know. So massive props to this Miss Witherspoon for her courage and strength. And that incredible fight led to the capture of Tommy Sells. Unfortunately, due to his nomadic lifestyle, police were unaware at this time that Sells was a murderer who would continue to kill. Sadly, he took a plea deal and only received five years for the breaking and breaking in and assault. Brace yourself, though. We're going to get sad again. So he serves his five years, and on October 13th, 1997, only 10 months after his release from prison, Illinois resident 10-year-old Joel Kirkpatrick was found murdered in his bedroom in the middle of the night. Joel's mother, Rhea, woke up to screams in the middle of the night and ran to her son's room. She said she came across an intruder and no sign of Joel. Rhea chased the attacker outside and across the lawn, where he hit her and disappeared into the night. When authorities were called, everything went wrong. Everything. Quote, when officers arrived at the house, they found the boy dead on the other side of his bed. Investigators couldn't find signs of the struggle Rhea described at the crime scene. Nothing had been stolen, the house was neat, and there were no signs of forced entry, according to the investigators working the case. Rhea, who has always maintained her innocence, was the primary suspect for years. She was indicted on first-degree murder charges in the year 2000. The prosecution presented a largely circumstantial case, focusing on Rhea's ex-husband's testimony, pinning Rhea's motive on a bitter custody battle, and on the fact that Rhea had Joel's blood on her clothes that night. Rhea's defense claimed that Joel's blood transferred to her clothes during her struggle with the intruder. End quote. This is the fu- uh, frustrating. This is the frustrating part I warned you about. Simply because her story didn't add up perfectly, she was thrown into jail and convicted. I mean, how how is this mother supposed to remember everything that happened that night in the dark while being attacked? after hearing your child's screams and not being able to find them. Of course nothing will make sense to her. She's not going to remember jack shit from that night. Do better. And then there's also this part. More doubt added into the mix. Quote, One of the witnesses her attorney called to testify was a good friend, Don Hansel. Hansel said, I was asked to testify in Julie's first trial to show that she'd invited me to spend the night there. And why would she invite me to be there if she had planned on killing Joel? It didn't make any sense at all. End quote. But Rhea was convicted of the murder of her son and sentenced to 65 years in prison. No matter what side you're on at this point, you can't in good conscience believe she is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. You could think she's guilty. It may look that way. But there's at least a little tickle shit of doubt. I mean, come on. So after the murder of 10-year-old Joel, we have more suspected and confessed to crimes, but never charged with. On October 15, 1977, in, again in Missouri, 13-year-old Stephanie Mahaney was found in a, f- <clears throat> in a pond west of Springfield. According to Sells, he pulled her from her bed in home at night, drove her to a field, injected her with cocaine, raped her, and strangled her to death. 
on December 14, 1997, in Las Vegas, Nevada. 19-year-old Yvette Sophia Mueller, Mueller was last seen in an RV park. Cells claimed to have raped and killed a blonde-haired woman in Las Vegas, chopped her body up with an axe, and buried her next to the Snake River. The body was never found because it had been swept away by a landslide, but officials suspect Sells was referring to Yvette. In April of 1998, oh, I almost couldn't read that, in San Antonio, Texas, Thomas Bros, 40, was a carnival worker who was shot to death in his motorhome. He was seen with a man matching Sells' description, and Sells initially confessed to the crime, but later recanted it. Okay, finally we arrive at his final crimes. And yes, it does get worse. I'm sorry. This comes straight from ClarkProsecutor.org. Quote, quote, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, mm, I should just have a button that says quote for me. Quote, Terry and Crystal Harris lived with their son and two daughters in a trailer home west of San Antonio. They attended Grace Community Church, where they made the acquaintance, where they made the acquaintance of Tommy Sells, a used car salesman, and his wife. So apparently, Tommy got married. After closing time at a local bar, Sells made his way to the Harris home and entered through an open window. He went to a bedroom where he saw Kayleen Harris, or she goes by Katie, Katie Harris, who was 13 years old, sleeping in the bottom bunk. 10-year-old Crystal was sleeping in the top bunk. Sells put his hand over Katie's mouth and brandished a 12-inch knife he'd brought with him. He sliced off Katie's shorts and underwear and began fondling her. She wiggled free, stood up, and screamed. Sells then turned on the light and moved to block the door. Katie saw herself bleeding and said, You cut me! Sells then moved behind her, put his hand over her mouth, and sliced her throat twice. Katie dropped to the floor and gurgled. Sells stabbed her 16 more times. Crystal, her sister, said, I'll be quiet, I promise, I won't say anything. As Sells moved toward her, he reached over and sliced her throat. She fell to the ground, pretending to be dead as Sells walked out the front door. Assuming that everyone in the house had been killed, Crystal ran outside to a neighbor's house and police were called. Crystal survived the attack identified Sells from, <clears throat> from a photo lineup, and testified at trial. Sells confessed to killing Katie Harris and attacking Crystal. He went with police to the residence and gave a videotaped reenactment of the crime, which aligned with Crystal's account. Oh, a reenactment of the crime, that's so fucked up. This confession was only the beginning, though. However, <laughs> this confession was only the beginning, however. Over the next few months, Sells confessed to a string of murders all over the U.S. spanning 30 years. Three decades. He used the nickname, he called himself Coast to Coast, to describe his nomadic lifestyle and his trail of killings. Gross. He traveled by hopping trains and stealing vehicles and made money by working, panhandling, or stealing. End quote. Could you imagine, like, I, I'm i just perplexed that they would ever go back to the house and have him do a reenactment of killing or attempting to kill and killing 
two little fucking girls. That's so messed up. I feel like his account could match her account. He doesn't have to relive that. You know he got off on that. You know he got off on that. <laughs> Anywho, Sells confessed to an additional three child murders after the killing of Katie Harris and before his arrest. He was just gung-ho. Remember Fabian Witherspoon, um, the 19-year-old who was attacked and survived, thankfully? In a recent interview, she said it's hard for her not to feel blame for the children victims that Sells encountered after she survived his attack. Witherspoon said, I felt like it was my fault that he only got five years. I've read that after he had his encounter with me, he never wanted to be stuck in that situation again where he could be at jeopardy of being hurt. So he turned to smaller people or children after that. Obviously, no one is blaming her. Uh, Tommy is the only monster in this situation. But I definitely understand why she feels that guilt. And it is fucked up that he was just like, oh, well, if these people are too strong, I'm just going to go for little people then. Kids. Man, we're almost done, I promise. One last massive happy twist of an ending. In 2002, while sitting in prison for the murder of her son, Rhea was interviewed by 2020, and uh, this was televised. And here's where it gets good. Quote, Sitting at home watching Rhea's 2020 interview was Diane Fanning, a true crime writer who was finishing a book about Tommy Sells. At the time... Sells was on death row for the murder of 13-year-old Katie Harris in Texas, which we just went over. Fanning said she was taken aback by the prosecutor's claim that an intruder would not break into a house with the intent to kill and not bring a murder weapon, as Sells had done that in more than one occasion. Fanning then wrote Sells a letter telling him about, about the prosecutor's comments. Fanning said, I did not tell him the name of the prosecutor, the name of the case, the town where it occurred, or the time when it occurred. Nothing like that. Tommy responded by writing, quote, About that woman who claimed someone broke into her house, was that like, maybe on the 13th? End quote. Fanning was shocked because that was exactly when the crime occurred. End quote. Fanning said when she read that letter, her hands started shaking and felt like she had to find justice. She had to do something. So Fanning got in touch with a Texas ranger who knew Tommy Sells well. And based on his letter, this ranger also believed Sells could have killed the little boy, Joel Kirkpatrick. In 2003, one year later, Sells was interviewed by police and gave a detailed confession to killing a boy and described how a woman tried to fight him off. According to Bill Clutter, an investigator with the Illinois Innocence Project, Sells recalled details about Joel Kirkpatrick's murder that he would not have known unless he were there. Fanning said there had been corroborating evidence to place Sells in Lawrenceville, where it happened, and when she found that out, she believed 100% not only in Rhea's innocence, but in Tommy Lynn Sells' guilt. Finally, in 2006, after too many years in prison, Rhea was exonerated and granted a certificate of innocence. She had since become a powerful advocate for those wrongfully imprisoned 
and good on you, Rhea. Not only after losing your child and having that, his own murder placed on your hands for years and essentially using, losing your own life to that, you're still a good egg. Oh, I just did two thumbs up, but nobody can hear that. Two thumbs up. Unfortunately, Sells was never officially convicted of this murder, but he was finally executed in Texas in 2014 through lethal injection for the murder of Katie. A sad story, yes, but multiple strong characters such as Fabian or Rhea um, or this, the 10-year-old the survivor who had her throat slit and testified against the man that did it in court. That's so gnarly. But those women are the real reason I wanted to share this story with you today. So I hope you enjoyed it or learned something. I had fun. And that is all I have for you today. I look forward to seeing you folks next week. Bye-bye. Love you.